Thank you so much for listening to the Talking Classical podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the Talking Classical podcast and you'll receive a notification every time a new episode is released. You can also follow the Talking Classical podcast on Twitter, on the Talking Classical blog and on Facebook and YouTube. Many thanks for listening once again. I hope that you'll be able to join me for the next episode very soon. Welcome back to another episode of the Talking Classical podcast. We're finishing 2020 with a conversation that I recorded back in August with Canadian pianist Sandra Mogensen. In December 2019, to coincide with the bicentenary of Clara Schumann's birth, Sandra released an album called En Pleine Lumière. This is part of a multi-CD and concert project and the first album of which is En Pleine Lumière is focused on the music of women from around 1840 to 1870. The album includes music by composers such as Amy Beach, Cécile Chaminade as well as music by composers who are hardly known today. In this podcast, Sandra and I talk about the research process behind finding these often neglected works, as well as some of the common perceptions and stereotypes surrounding music by women, and what the industry and people like Sandra can do to help alleviate these. I think that this is a lovely way to end 2020, so I hope that you enjoy this discussion and the album as much as I did. Well, um, life took me to a bit of a hiatus from my uh, Copenhagen life. Um, well, just going on two years ago now. And I found myself, in fact, in early January of 2019, just kind of pressing reset and recalibrating and was lucky to have a house sit situation for a couple of months in, in a friend's place in, in Ontario in bleak winter weather. <laughs> And I just thought, what am I doing? What, 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 what's next? And um, I had been looking into uh, female composers prior to that, but not in a super focused way. I was interested in Clara Schumann and had read a couple of her biographies. And then somehow in, in that, sitting there in that home with a beautiful space and a piano and nothing else <laughs> really, other than winter weather, so I didn't want to go out in that. I just started exploring and uh, on my internet and starting with, um, you know this website and most of your listeners probably, imslp.org, yes. which yes. is, speaking of treasure troves. Um, so I just started looking into uh, female composers and uh, because my previous specialty I have four CDs of the music of Edvard Grieg. So I have a, a bit of an affinity for the Romantic uh, era. I sort of started in that, that era. And um, as soon as I started, I, I noticed that 
I mean, there's not a, there weren't at that point. It's more and more now, but there weren't a lot of pieces available on IMSLP. Yes. But what what I found was, I mean, I was weeping basically. Where have you been all my life? You know, all these composers and these pieces. And uh, quite soon into it, I thought, well, I, I have to make a program out of this, and why not? I'll make a recording. And then that quite soon led to wait a minute, this is a life's mission now. I need to just devote myself to uncovering uh, gems that have been, what, lying in a drawer for a hundred years. And so it became uh, not just one album, but a series of six albums. I've only recorded the one uh, so far, but yeah, six will be uh, coming. So uh, why did I begin exactly in 1840 to 1870? It, it just sort of sorted that way at first. Um, and I thought, you know what, each volume will be a, about a generation or so of, of composers. And I would like to play music of this era. And I think I don't need to start with the earlier uh, generation because we have Clara Schumann and Fanny Mendelssohn there who are they're fine. They don't need my help so much. Yeah, they, they have their PR already. Mm -hmm. So I started with, with that mid-19th century, born, composers born in mid-19th century. And um, then I uh, thought, you know what, this entire project, I wanted to be aligned with uh, female energy. It just seems to, to make sense to me. So then the idea was, okay, I need a recording engineer slash producer who's also a woman. And uh, that was a little tricky to find by just Googling until I realized if I Google that in German, that's much clearer because it's one word. Tonmeisterin is the female version of Tonmeister, which is recording engineer. Yes. So I found a beautiful, um, the perfect uh, collaborator in Wuppertal, Germany is actually where we, we recorded. Colleen Hunk is her name, and she did a beautiful job. I'm very proud of our work that we did together on first volume. So now that makes it a little tricky now that I'm in Canada and I need to record the next few volumes. So um, not tricky normally, but in a pandemic when you can't get across the ocean so easily. So the, the second and third volumes will be recorded in early 2021 in January, rather than this summer with the, when they should have been. So 30 year span. So volume two will be 18 composers born 1870 to 1900. Volume three, I forgot that mostly designed is composers born 1900 to 1930 and so on and so on until volume six will be uh, composers. And, and by the way, it's mainly women composers at up to this point. Right. So um, the final volume six will be composers born from 1990 on. I'm very excited about, about how it's coming together. Mm. And um, I also have uh, used a female designer, graphic artist, and each uh, album will have cover art that is based in a painting, again, by a female artist of the same, gen same generation as the composers. So why did you feel that it was important for you to have an all-woman team for the album? Yeah, it just seemed to be in alignment with my kind of mission of women in some fields have been, and in some eras in particular, have been overlooked. And uh, let's celebrate all the, all the beauty that exists in these women's work. And let's, let's give 
give support to to women in general who mm-hmm. are working in these areas. To me, it just seemed that it supported the whole idea to to have every aspect of it. Nothing against working with men. I've I've really. It's just that this particular project is is absolutely uh, about that, you know, uncovering what has been kind of relegated in the past. Following in that vein, you said that in your programme notes, the classical music industry has been starting to change around women composers. And historically, there have been prejudices surrounding women composers. So why do you think that these prejudices around gender bias still exist? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, that applies to almost every aspect of of life. We're in a big yes. time time of shifting. Absolutely. Right now, and uh, I guess some people would say, of course, we're dismantling the patriarchy, <laughs> and uh, no joke. The thing is, for example, these nineteenth-century-born uh, composers. There were several of them who were superstars at the time. They yes. had massive careers. In fact, Chaminade, Cécile Chaminade, who is, has been also well-known in the meantime, but just for her one piece that is part of the standard repertoire, and that's her flute concertino. But Yes, that's um, right. This woman, she wrote so much incredible music, piano music and songs and chamber music. And, and she was traveling around. Queen Victoria, you know, held her in high regard. She was... She was right, right up there. And they, they formed, um, in the U.S., there were these circles. I forget what they were called, Chaminade Circle. I mean, uh, Agatha Bakker-Gründel, the, yeah. the Norwegian composer, she, she was zooming around Europe. She had an international career as a pianist and composer. Yes. Sophie Menta was uh, also playing concerts all over, all over Europe. Helen Hopekirk, which is also part of this first collection, she was she was she had an international career as a pianist and composer. I mean, several of them did, and uh, you know there are quotes about some of them from people in high places saying, "Oh, this is the greatest pianist or the greatest composer," you know. And then silence from from when, or sometime early in the in the twentieth century. There must have been some sort of backlash. I don't know. I, I'm not a feminist scholar. What exactly happened there? But uh, wow, thank thank goodness there's there's a resurgence now of uh, interest in, in all of these women. Yes. Um, yeah, I found it very interesting in re- researching for my volume two, uh, which is women born in the last three decades of the 1800s. In fact, with those composers, with that generation, I have found it to be even more difficult to find their scores and to find biographical information. And I'm wondering if there was maybe even more of a backlash towards them, or was it that they lived through, many of them, most of them lived through two world wars. And, mm-hmm. But uh, it's very hard for some of these composers. I, I find one, two, two pieces you know, available. Yeah. So that's uh, an area with a real need for uh, musicologists to step mm. step and do lots of research and digging and transcribing manuscripts and yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's a huge, huge area of of need. It's worth highlighting some statistics from the Don Women in Music project and Drama Musica. 
Only 76 classical concerts among 1,445 around the world from 2018 to 2019 included at least one piece by a woman. This is around 95% of concerts having music only composed by men. Out of these 1,445 concerts, 3,442 works were written by men, that's 97.6%, and only 82 works were written by women, that's 2.3%. As we can see from these statistics, music history is still very much concerned with the classical canon being dominated by male composers. So what do you think that we and the industry can do to readdress that balance? Well, my, my sense is that Partly, you know, there's a certain segment of audience that likes to hear things that they are familiar with. Also, just certain types of listeners, they really enjoy hearing things over and over, the same things. I, I'm completely the opposite of that. I love discovering new sounds. But, um, you know, of course, I come from a different background than, than maybe some audience members um, who who really just get comfort from from uh, familiarity? Yes. I totally I totally honor that. Yeah. As a trained musician, we we're always exploring new new materials. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the, in that way, you know, if you're not a trained musician, you may just really love to hear the things that you're familiar with already. Yes. That makes sense. So there is that to to work with. I think though at the programming level in some of these concert institutions, of course they have to think about the market, but also it's not easy to track down who existed, what composers are we even talking about and what did they even write Mm -hmm. and where can we get the scores? Those are not easy things to deal with. And I mean, I have had some moments of yelling to the universe in my little office here as I'm researching. Whoever put your stuff away, where did you put it? You know, just where did you put that woman's music? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's been misplaced or, or not valued or, um, you know, wars or uh, mm-hmm. situations like that. So a lot of work to just keep putting this music out I mean, there's, there's also still this resistance that women, like myself, two years ago, I would have not known any of these composers, mm-hmm. you know, and I would have thought that I kind of, I did buy into that story that we were led to believe all women composers, well, they, they didn't really exist, or if they did, they were just, you know, just fluffy, not Yes, not exactly. You know? Yes. And I had this incredible conversation. I shouldn't mention who it was, but it was a prominent type okay. in your country. That's all okay. I can say. A male. His theory was, uh, um, this is, anyway, I'm going to say it. His theory was that um, there are not so many great composers, period, in the world. He maybe put it to about 15 great composers in the world and that all of them in his theory were somehow on the uh, Asperger's autism spectrum somewhere, which was a factor in in their greatness in this one area of Mm -hmm. of composing. And because women, this is all his theory, (laughs) um, 
because women generally are not so often on that scale, well, therefore, there haven't been great women composers. I mean, this is a man in a, in a prominent place, in an in a important institution in the classical world. And I didn't know where to go with that. <laughs> I just didn't yes. know even what to, what to suggest. Hopefully he's, you know, evolving his viewpoint as we go here. But, you know, that, that, there is a great deal of resistance to, to kind of combating that, that thing we were trained to believe. Ah, women composers? Yes. Yeah. They really were no good. Um, especially historically. Now, you know, 20th century, 21st century, we see that's shifted. There are many more prominent composers from more recent times mm. than previous times. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I maybe would just say that to that end, during this pandemic time, this lockdown time, I was um, I was all ready to go with my my mission now. I'm going to, and then oh, but I can't play concerts now. Uh, yes, and I can't get over to Germany to do my recordings. Uh, so, and it, it kind of paralyzed me for, for a couple months until I started to be able to shift my thinking. Well, I still have my, my mission is still my mission. I just have to support it in different ways and do, do different projects that can be done from home. So one of those things is I'm just launching my Patreon uh, where I'll be doing a mini concerts for individually individualized mini concerts yes. and chats and, and educational resources and things like that. And I also have uh, begun just about a month ago, a collaboration with a friend and pianist colleague in the U S uh, we are, we have a YouTube channel. It's our first phase of our, of our project. And you, YouTube channel is called piano music. She wrote, mm-hmm. ha ha ha. So a little to play on that murder she wrote idea but um we uh we have combed through imslp and notated every single piano piece written by female composers that exists on imslp we have a massive spreadsheet which we will eventually be sharing and from that huge there are over 2400 pieces by 340 composers we have found so we are weekly uh, putting out two videos of, of repertoire from, from there. And that repertoire is maybe more focused, not solely, but all, partly focused for piano teachers, piano students, amateur pianists. Yes. Not just uh, advanced concert repertoire. Mm. So, you know, building uh, the awareness in piano students and piano teachers, I think, is really important. Of course, piano being only one instrument of, you know, this, this should happen uh, all around. But as pianists, of course, that's what we're focusing on. So yes. that's been quite interesting. Just uh, actually, we've just been uploading videos for about two weeks. And the response is very enthusiastic, you know. And the music is gorgeous. There's no reason on earth why it shouldn't have been heard all these years. Yes, yes. So... So we're doing what we can. So why do you think stereotypes around the music of women still exist? Are they historical reasons, issues around the canon, or did they require a change in people's mindset? I mean, I think it's just going to take time. Like yes. the, 
the canon is the canon is the canon, you know? Yeah. And uh, in fact, in my explorations, I'm kind of keeping an eye out for substitution pieces. For example, I just came across a piece recently by Louise Farank, and, and I thought, you know, for those students or amateur pianists who just want to play Furelis and maybe not get to the hard parts, but play the first part over and over, this piece could be such a lovely substitution. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm building up a, a list of... Now, if you are in, inclined to play Claire de Lune, maybe try this piece instead. So it's just going to take time. And the more, the more we hear, the more we explore, and the more of us are, that are on this job. But Annabelle, I must say, like this mission of mine that sort of took hold in a flash, in an epiphany in January of 2019, at first... I had an idea that I would call this project En Plein Lumière, piano music by women composers born in whatever time. But by the time I was ready to put out the album and doing the graphics with the designer, I thought, you know what? I don't need to say women composers. Yes. Piano music by compo composers born in whatever part of the century. Because from January to, I think it was August when I was at that point, there had already been so much ground traveled in awareness of, of composers who happened to be female that I, I just thought that's, that's not necessary to have to put, because when would you ever buy a, an album saying, this is piano music by male composers? Yes. Uh, you know, so no. So there's a, there's a huge uh, amount that has happened in the last year and a half already. And I come to this late. There've been people, you know, on this on this road for quite some time and thank goodness but mm. um more and more more and more people are opening <laughs> opening up to the possibility that hey yeah women men whatever we all we're all creative types it was very interesting to read in your program notes that ambrose thomas said of cecile chaminade that this is not a woman who composes, but a composer who is a woman, which I think corroborates the point that music shouldn't be assumed on the basis of gender or whatever limiting factors there are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I've um, had some audience members early in the, in the performing of this music uh, say, so do you find that there's kind of a f more feminine feel to this music is it yes. more, do you notice that it is more feminine as if they had wondered if they had heard that that way and I, I yes. said I mean not at all not at all it could be that for this album and my albums in general I've chosen music that suits me and it's a I, I'm looking to create very intimate albums so and my, my interest as a pianist is very much in color and um, contrast and unity as a guiding principle. So, you know, perhaps what you think you might be hearing as feminine traits are, are maybe more Sandra's influence on the choices. Um, but certainly, certainly, you know. The other thing about the, the music, though, for me is I can't explain to you how deeply it feels um like freedom to be playing music written by women mm. after all these years of not yes. partly because 
I, I mean, we know this musical vocabulary of this romantic style, yet there's no precedent. You don't have to follow, okay, Ashkenazi did it this way in his 1969 recording and yes. Brendel did it, you know, and it's just this freedom to discover it and and to play and your own feels, as well. feels like it's mine, you know, yes. and I feel like I have a direct, a much more direct con connection is what it feels like with, with the composers. I found photos of all of those composers from that first volume and I made a little collage of them, like just put them all together and printed it off, had it on the piano. And I, just looking at their, their faces, I just found it so moving, you know, the, this direct connection uh, really... It's, it's incredibly deep for me. Finally, what would you like your listeners to get out of the album? What would you like them to feel? What would you like them to think? What would you like to invoke in your listeners? Mm. Well, I very much curate my albums and my programs for performances in a way that tries to create a journey for yes. the listener. Um, again, with these principles of unity and contrast so that there's a real flow and a real shape to to the overall experience yes these days of course you can just you know pop in and out on various playlists and so that that's you know something else but um i really am designing it with a listener sitting on their couch with their loved ones and a nice glass of wine or something <laughs> and and just enjoying the journey um yes of, of all that beauty my that's by design so i'm glad you yeah. i'm glad you uh, received it that way yes, yes. and I would say that that is my design no matter <laughs> the gender or whatever the the style or the era that is my um I just want to give my listeners experiences of beauty and and inspiration and of course open their their eyes to this uh you know women men whatever we we all are just creative people and we don't need to uh, keep the doors closed on anyone anymore. So mm. shine, shine the light. I would just say one thing that came as I was having this epiphany for me, my own epiphany. It's not like I'm the first person to discover these composers, but to me, what it was like, and I, I kind of think it's received that way sometimes by some listeners is uh, if I've been living in the same house all of my life, Ironically, here I am back in my childhood home. But it's as if I've been in the same house all of my life. And one day, all of a sudden, I discovered that there's actually a door mm. in the wall that I never saw. Where yes. does that door go? I open it and there's an entire other wing of this house, mm. beautifully arranged and decorated and comfortable and uh, yeah, so that's what this is like for me. It's just this opening the door into a, a whole lot of beauty that who knew was there? Some people knew, but uh, a lot of people didn't know. <laughs> well, I think our listeners will have a wonderful time opening that door and exploring all of this gorgeous repertory that you've discovered. Thank you very much, Sandra, for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you so much, Annabelle. It was yeah. really lovely to meet you and yeah. to chat with you. Thank you as Thanks well. for the interest. Yeah. Many thanks to Sandra for talking to me.
And that's it for 2020. So as we end this year, I would just like to take the opportunity to say a huge thank you to everyone who has taken an interest in Talking Classical and everyone who's listened to it. I'm really pleased to say that over two years later, Talking Classical has had over 10,000 hits and reaches listeners in 50 countries. I've got some really exciting plans lined for 2021, so keep your eyes and your ears peeled for those episodes. Meanwhile, if you would like to listen to some of the previous episodes, then please feel free to catch up. I've had the opportunity to talk to a wonderful array of artists and creatives in the classical music industry and beyond. And if you'd like to, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help the podcast to reach a wide audience and to get more visibility. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast once again. I hope that you stay safe wherever you are in the world. And let's hope that 2021 is going to be much better. Bye for now.